How many are excited to learn about Jesus? Make some noise. Come on, come on. Look at your neighbor and say, I love Jesus. All right, when I say Jesus, y'all say Christ. Saying Jesus. Saying Jesus. Woo! Who is the man who is the man? Who is the man who is the man? Who's the one that's coming back to judge the living and the dead? Who's the one that died, was buried, and rose again? Who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Who is the greatest name of all times? Make some noise for Jesus! Woo! That's what I'm talking about. Welcome to Metro Praise, where we're praising His name. Come on, somebody. Open up your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. If you're complaining about how hot it is, I don't care because I'm happy. It's the end of September, and it's 90 degrees. This is awesome. You have never had this before. Deal with it. Don't complain to me before you know it. It will be negative 20,000 degrees. The wind chill will make your spittle freeze. Come on. No, if you're hot, get by a fan. It will help you out. Enjoy today. Please get out with your friends and family. Have fun, especially with that life group going on today. I'm telling you, man, God is good. And we certainly lift up our friends and family all over uh, the world. That's suffering right now. Just got a text from my friend in Dominica, one of the Caribbean islands, man. His family got hit hard. I'm going to send them some shekels. You guys know how to give online to those different trusted places. That's why I'm not making a big deal out of it here. There's so many organizations, so many of your families have GoFund accounts, but let's just believe God for good things to come out of the tragedy. Amen? And, and bad things happen to good people because good people made a bad decision in the Garden of Eden. Okay? Just somebody put that on Facebook. Bad things happen to good people because two good people made a bad decision in the Garden of Eden. The Bible says the earth is cursed, our body is cursed, and if you don't repent, your soul will be cursed, okay? That doesn't mean it's your, your fault. It doesn't mean you sinned. I mean, I know there's a lot of stuff going on when people say, I prayed and the hurricane didn't come, and then that almost makes the people bad who said, what about me? I prayed and it still hit my house, you know? We're not superstitious, Amen. We're not superstitious. Bad things happen to good people, and good things happen to bad people. Just because Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump were two people running for president doesn't mean either one of them were good. Are you listening to me? I'm telling you, just got to wake up to the fact right now. We live in a wicked world, and things don't seem to be fair, but that's only because we don't see the big picture. You got to look up to heaven and put your hope in Jesus and read the Bible, and you'll get the big picture. Amen? Name above all names, an exciting sermon that I'm ready to preach. It's going to be powerful, but it's not going to be long, so I need you guys to hang in there with me. We're in a sermon series on the book of Ephesians going verse by verse. We're in Paul's prayer. Verse 15 of chapter 1, Paul starts off by saying, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so you may know him better. I love you. Everyone look up at me. Please see me smile. I love you so much. You are my favorite. You're my favorite. This church is a blessing, and I pray for you often. I hope that you know. 
know that. I keep asking that God will give you the wisdom and revelation so you can understand spiritual things to do the things in the natural world. First came the spirit and over the water and the deep, and then came the natural world. Just remember that. First came the breath of God into man, and then man became a living being. All things go back to God. And these giving lessons are really there to encourage you. So I hope you're getting things out of that because I want you to prosper on your job as the church is prospering and growing. I want you to know Jesus. I want you to live for him. I want you to love each other, treat each other as you want to be treated. And as Paul says here, I want you to have wisdom and revelation, insight to the difficult things of life. It's difficult to deal with tragedy, right? It's difficult to deal with the death of a loved one. It's difficult to uh, handle sometimes bad thoughts or temptations. But God will give you the wisdom. God will give you the revelation. Life may have its ups and downs, but you can stay steady with Jesus. Don't fear evil, for he is with you. His rod and staff will comfort you. Amen? So I want you to know God better. And these last uh, three weeks, you've been such a good congregation because you let me talk to you about the three things that Paul said he wanted you to know in verses 18 and uh, 19. He says, I want you to know his hope. I want you to know his inheritance and his power. And two weeks ago, I said, well, as we get into the power lesson, as we were talking about inheritance, I said, write down 10 things God said are yours in the scriptures that are your inheritance and match them with the struggles of your life. Oh, pastor, I deal with depression, but he says the joy of the Lord is my strength. Put the scripture next to it. Pastor, I deal with energy to get up and go to work sometimes. It's hard to be a mother. You know, you put the scripture next to it. I can do all things. And, and sadly, out of a church of 250 people, about 150 adults, only five of you, only five of you got it. And that's not good. So last week, and, and, and excuse me, we have a church of 250 and almost uh, 175 adults, and that's not good. You should have done better. But I'm here to tell you today that if you won't quit on me and God and learning, I won't quit on you and teaching you the things of God. Amen? And so I'm glad that you took your licking and kept on ticking. But here's the thing that I'm trying to tell you through this, that if you're not enlightened to these things, if this Holy Spirit doesn't do these things in your heart, you will be hopeless. You won't know the inheritance, the life that's to come. You will literally trade your entire inheritance for 80 years of a miserable life. Not even a good life, a miserable life. And then lastly, you won't know the power of God. I just um, was, was sad to find out that a great leader in the Christian faith, a Nabil Qureshi, a Muslim convert who became a Christian leader, passed away, and, and they had a humongous funeral for him, and all the different Christian news networks are talking about it. And, and if you're going through something, I want you to, re to watch some of his videos from the hospital room. As he is dying, his last words, he had hope in Jesus. He knew his glorious inheritance, and he had more power than most Christians that I know who are healthy today because he knew the God that he served. And so it doesn't matter what you're facing today. You're not facing it alone. You're facing it with God. So thank you for those last three weeks. And once again, it's still part of our passage, so I'm going to read it. I pray, Paul here, and I do too for you, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people, you're either a saint or an ain't. How many saints do I have here today? And when it says holy people, that's just an English, a modern English word for the old English word saints. It's the exact same word there in the Greek, hagios. And his incomparably great power for us who believe. How many have power today and you're a believer in Jesus? Then that is for you. And I pray that you don't walk away from those messages, but you walk with those messages in your heart. 
that whenever you face a hopeless time, you come to the God who was raised from the dead, Jesus Christ, and you ask him to give you hope beyond the scope of your human limitation. That any time you feel like you don't have anything, maybe you didn't receive an inheritance from a family member that passed, or you were brought up on the wrong side of the tracks, or sometimes learning or prospering comes hard to you, you look at the Bible and discover your will from Jesus that he died to give you. The Bible says Jesus is the great amen to all the promises of God. A will is given when someone dies. Jesus died for the will of God in your life. You can have the perfect will of God. Romans chapter 12 says that you renew your mind to understand it because your other earthly mind won't do it the way you had your mindset before. Won't make it through the promises and understanding them, but you get your mind renewed. You say, I am who God says I am. I can do what God said I can do. And the Bible says you will test and approve the good and pleasing, perfect will God has for your life. He says that same power is the that power is the same as the mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. Why was Christ raised from the dead as the God man so that man could always have the representation in the divine nature? The divine nature was complete with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But why did the Son become a man? Because we became incomplete when we sinned. A man lost it. A man had to get it. The first Adam Adam blew it, so a second Adam had to come. But here's the problem now. How does any man enter into creation without having the corruption of their nature already given to them from their ancestors? In other words, sin became the curse that was passed down from generation to generation. There must be one born of a virgin to bypass the curse to have a second chance. But it must be not just any old person or any old creature like an angel. It must be someone that has the potentiality in their nature to contain the punishment of all that Adam and his descendants deserve. So now you know why the eternal, all-powerful Son of God became flesh born of a virgin so that he could live and die and take upon him all the sin of the world, all the sickness, the curse upon our bodies, and all the suffering that comes from living in a damnable creation after the fall. That is the story of the incarnation of Jesus. Now, did Jesus ever stop being God? No. And some people say, well, if God became man, he was no longer God. They don't understand the incarnation. Jesus became man while retaining all the divine attributes of the word that he was, the Son of God, the Logos in eternity. Are you all with me? And so when we understand the Trinity, we're not saying that the Father became man. No, we're saying Jesus became a man, but he never stopped being the eternal Son of God. This means that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever as the Bible teaches because Jesus, in his identity in the divine Son of God, eternally existed with the Father and was at his right hand. Now, some people may say, well, then if he had all of these things as God, why is verse 21 there? Which is the verse we're going to talk about that says at his resurrection, he gets power. If he was God, didn't he already have it? He gets authority. If he was God, didn't he already have it? And we know this is true in Matthew 28 that he says, now all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me, go into all the world. So they say if he was God, how can he get something he already had? But this is what they don't understand. The Son of God always had it because he was divine in his nature. But remember, he had to come as the second Adam 
Adam, or what we would say humanity, Adam as the human race, lost it, didn't have it. So the Son of God became a man to have it on behalf of men. And when he walked the earth, he didn't do it as a superman. He did it on behalf of man as a man. That's why the Holy Spirit descended upon him as a dove. There's the Trinity, the Father speaking from heaven. This is my beloved Son, the Son being baptized, and the Spirit descending upon him. So when Jesus walked on water, he didn't do it because of his divine privilege of being the eternal son of God, the creator of the universe. He walked on water by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why Peter could as well. And that's why he said, whatever I do, now you can do by that power. He said, that's why it's good that I go away and be with the Father so that I can send the Holy Spirit. And there where he is, my Father and I will be. We will make our abode, plural, with you. We don't believe in three gods. We believe in one God who shares his divine nature among three persons, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It wasn't the Father that died on the cross. It was Jesus. Jesus is the Son of God, eternally equal with the Father. Now verse 21, let's read it together. One, two, three. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but in the one to come. Thank you. But also in the one to come. This is what we have to understand. Now one of us in humanity is in divinity because he was the first to bring humanity in divinity, we now can come into Jesus and be in the Trinity. Are you all getting that? Who was the first one to make divine humanity? Jesus. Now we share in Jesus the divinity of the Trinity because we're in him. It is not ours the same way it is for Jesus. Jesus forever is the God-man. We now are godly men and women. We are still separate in being from God, but we share in his nature. And this is why Jesus didn't raise from the dead as a spirit because he could have said, I became a man, died as a man, don't need the body anymore. I'll just go back to being as I was, the eternal son of God. Why did he raise with the body from the descendant of David? Because that's where Mary was from. He had the DNA of Mary in her genealogy back to David. He literally now said, this is my body. Touch it. You can see it. Uh, Thomas wanted to see the nail print hands, the, 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 the place where they put the spear. Why did he do that? Because forever he now represents the new human race. Because when we die, we must be rise, not as Casper the ghost. That's not how we were ever created, was to be ghosts. We were created to be physical beings living upon a physical world. Heaven is temporary to fix the mess down here until the kingdom comes. Are you listening? And so the reason why he raised from the dead physically is that the human race could now have the new code to be made after because the first Adam messed it up, but the second Adam made it glorious again. Amen. So how many are in Jesus today? That's how we understand the Trinity. That's how we understand humanity. You can't know humanity until you know divinity. Now look at verse 22. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him, Jesus, the God-man, to be over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Once again, he could not fill you in every way unless he died for you. Now some people may say, well, what about the sacrifices before? And he is called the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. That is an example of how he set up the Old Testament. What would you rather have, a iPhone? or the shadow of an iPhone? What would you rather have? The iPhone. What comes first, the shadow or the iPhone? 
See, he knew what he was going to do once we fell, so he was the lamb slain in the mind of God before the creation of the world. Before he ever started it, he knew we would mess it up. Before there was ever a problem, he was the problem solver. Are you listening? And so every sacrifice in and of itself did not do anything. The only reason why the sacrifice had any meaning is because there was an original up in heaven about ready to come and enact it. So when you saw the Lamb of God, it wasn't like this was the first mention of it. No, it goes back to the Old Testament. But the lambs that were slain because of sin, blood being shed, this was not what was giving forgiveness. It was the hope that God would come in the flesh and do it actually for the people. Can I hear an amen? And that's the difference is that he is who he said he is by the fact of his resurrection. So any man could just say, I'm God. Hey, I can, you know, make maybe uh, magic up here or do certain things. But what Jesus proved his divinity is that he raised from the dead and then he had 500 appearances or appearances many different times. Some were upwards of 500 at one time and then he ascended to heaven before them and sent the Holy Spirit which basically was the seal on the deal. He is who he said he is. The, the church is now growing and he's filling them in every way. Can I hear an amen? So that's what today is about, to learn about Jesus. How many love Jesus? Amen. We have all of these wonderful messages online. Check them out at the app if you've missed any of them or just at our Facebook page. But I want to remind you, if you don't know already, there is no one like my Jesus. From his pre-existence as the eternal Logos or God the Son, his virgin birth, his sinless life, his miraculous works, his revolutionary teachings, his sacrificial death on the cross for the sins of the world, his verified resurrection, and his ascension to heaven. Listen, everybody. He is and forever will be God from God, light from light, true God from very true God. If you believe that you're a Christian today... You have to believe that. That's what we say. When, well, Paul said it, but it, of course we as preachers repeat it. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. Romans 10, 9. You believe that, you're a Christian. How many Christians do I have here today? Now, come on. How many Christians believe now it's their chance to tell the world about this Jesus? That we are honored to be here. It's a privilege to know about him, and I'm so thankful that Jerry, during the time of worship, had a word from the Lord, and think it not strange that we believe in the spiritual gifts, because remember, Jesus said we could do it by the same Holy Spirit he did it by. So we should hear things from heaven and speak them out to people. We should pray for them and they recover. We should see demons flee. We should know things about the future that God wants us to know. And one of the things that she was singing that just meant so much to me is that, you know, hearing the voice of God inside your heart, I am the truth. I'm on the inside of you. That's the beauty of what Christianity is. It's not a religion of a bunch of do's and don'ts and, you know, do this and don't do that. It's a religion of relationship, and it's more than a religion, right? It's, a, it's an intimate relationship. And so the way I look at it is when I talk to myself, I don't put up uh, a megaphone to my ear and a speaker here. You ever seen how you can hold a speaker and then a megaphone? You guys ever see that? You can hold the megaphone speaker like, hey, everybody, what's going on? When I talk to myself, I don't hold the speaker, uh, the, the little walkie-talkie thing, and then put this megaphone next to my ear and go, hey, Joe, how are you doing? When I talk to myself, I do it internally as a spirit. How many of y'all do that? Now, how do you think God's going to talk to you? via his Holy Spirit. Now, could he talk to your ears? Absolutely, and he's done it in the past before. But here's the idea, is that God wants to speak to your heart and reveal to you who Jesus is. He wants to convince you of who Jesus is as much as he wants to convince you of who you are. 
But you have to start with who he is. You'll never know who you are until you know who he is. You'll never know your purpose until you know his purpose. Can I get an amen? Come on. You'll never understand what you're to do upon this earth until you understand what he's already done. These are the revelations that Paul is talking about, and they center around Jesus. And you literally just here today heard the whole story all just summarized again. We were created in God's image. We sinned. We fell. Here comes all the curses. Jesus enacts all of these laws and commandments in the Old Testament. He comes and visits the people at various times. Then he comes in the flesh once and for all for us to see. They kill him based upon his, his blasphemy or what, we, what they call blasphemy, but what's his identity as the divine son of God. He then dies on purpose. It says this was a plan all along. He raises from the dead, says this is why I did it. He then ascends to heaven, sends the Holy Spirit, establishes the church and the word of God in here we are. And so we have to know Jesus is different than every other religious figure. All of these other religious figures from Buddha to Muhammad to all the gurus of the Hindu religion always talk about these private, esoteric, spiritual experiences they have. Here's Buddha. I went under a juniper tree. I reached nirvana. How do we know? Well, I guess I got to take your word. You know, Muhammad, I was in a cave and an angel spoke to me. Recite. Well, how do we know? Well, you have to take my word. What did Jesus do? He lived his life in front of everybody. How did he die publicly in front of everybody? How did he rise for everybody? This is the testimony of Christianity. It's not a private religion. Matter of fact, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead is the most verifiable miracle of history. Those who set out to disprove it become Christians by the evidence. But we have to believe even beyond the evidence because remember when Thomas touches him, Jesus says, blessed are those who believe and don't have to do what Thomas had to do. And so I know when I came to know Christ at November 5th, 1995 at my mother's kitchen table, it wasn't because I touched his actual nail-pierced hands. It wasn't because I read a lot of books and studied the evidence. It's because he spoke to my spirit like how I talk to myself, and he convinced me he was real. See, I know myself. If you wanted me to try to prove to you that I'm a self and not a robot, there's nothing that I could do. You may say, Pastor, I think you're a robot. And I say, no, I'm not a robot. And you would say, how do you know? And I would say, well, because I know I'm in here. Well, what if you were programmed to say that? Well, I know I'm not programmed to say that because I do stuff on my own all the time and nobody would be that crazy to program me like this. But you would say, no. And I would say, well, here's my brain. And you would say, well, what if the program's inside your brain? It's really small. See, at some, time, at some point I would literally have to say, with the African Americans were saying to the white slave owner, I'm a person like you, whether you believe it or not. Like, like the person living in Central America, speaking to the Aztec warrior that's just raped their family, pillaged their whole village, they would have to be able to say back to the godlike figure they worship there at that pyramid, you're just a man like me. To the Egyptians who enslaved almost all of Africa, saying back to them, you're no God, you're just like me. So wouldn't it be that when God comes among us, he doesn't come like Pokemon, he doesn't come like Superman, wouldn't that just be like the God of love that we see in love through our families and relationships, wouldn't it just be that our Jesus would be born of a virgin in a manger, wouldn't it just be like our Jesus to hang around just nobodies, just tax collectors and fishermen, wouldn't it just be like our Jesus to be around children and healing the blind and the lame that others rejected, wouldn't it just be like Jesus to say, don't throw stones at this woman caught in adultery. Can I get an amen? There's nobody like our Jesus. And so when they brought Jesus 
to the courts to be crucified, it was because they, the Jews, turned on him and didn't think he was the Messiah he claimed to be. Because the Jewish people only saw the Messiah coming and doing one thing, y'all, and that was killing all of God's enemies. And I hear a lot of that today. Why doesn't God just get rid of all the evil in the world? If there was a God, there would be no evil. Okay, you want that solution? How about God starts with your evil and get rid of you right now? Toss you out with the garbage. Woo, we don't want that solution, do we? Because evil is not some little thing floating around. No, evil is inside of people, right? So I'm glad that Jesus came to conquer hearts before he came to conquer the world. I'm glad that he came to die for sins before he came to judge sins. And the Jewish people couldn't put it together, but it was staring them right in their face. Even the disciples, and don't feel bad, because I know we would all make the same mistakes. Don't judge them differently. Peter heard the whole story of the cross and rebuked Jesus and said, don't you do it, Jesus. And then Jesus said to him, get behind me, Satan. Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus loves you enough to call you Satan, baby. Come on. Come on, tell somebody Jesus loves you so much to call you Satan if you act like him. Oh, I love my Jesus. He's not like Barney. He's better than Barney. So Jesus loved Peter enough to tell him, you're acting like the devil. Get behind me. Why? Because they didn't understand it. I know some people say the Bible is a book full of mythology. Well, you wouldn't make yourself look like the, the nincompoop in the mythology you tell, and you wouldn't make in a male culture the women, the hero of the story, who actually believed the resurrection before the men, and you wouldn't talk about how you were a coward and ran away and denied Jesus, and you wouldn't talk about one of your boys committing suicide because they got so scared. Come on. You read the Gospels and you can literally tell they're retelling the story with painful memories. Uh, you remember that time, Peter, he called you Satan? We're going to have to put that down here. Uh, we can't skip over that. Uh, James or uh, uh, John, you remember, you remember when you and your brother there, you, you wanted to call down fire on these people because they didn't believe, you know? Uh, we got to put that in there. Uh, do, you, do, you know, do you remember this time when you said this stupid thing? we we got to put this actually in here when you told the children not to come to him. And then at the resurrection, it's not Peter who says, I know he's risen. Let me preach to you guys. It's women going back and Peter going, no, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. Come on, somebody. Say amen. You wouldn't make up a story like this, and then the evidence behind it is of, not of myth. It's of truth. And so when they brought Jesus before Pilate, Pilate was a little bit confused. You're supposed to be the king of the Jews, but the Jews have turned on you. But why did they turn on him? Because he's now fulfilling other prophecies they didn't see. The part that he has to die for sin before he judges sin. The part where he's going to take on suffering. Isaiah 53, as I said before. So now uh, Pilate asked him in 1833 of John. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your idea, Jesus asked? Or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate replied? Your own people, chief priests, handed you over to me. What is it you've done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. Somebody say, my kingdom is from another place. He said, you are a king then, Pilate said. Jesus answered, 
You say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of the truth listens to me. Do you listen to Jesus? Are you on the side of truth today? Jesus could not just be a good man because a good man doesn't say he's your king without it being true. That's a bad man that tells lies and manipulates, right? He couldn't just be a prophet because there was no prophet that ever said, I existed before I was born. Not one of them, not Isaiah, not Jeremiah, not Daniel, not Ezekiel, none of them even said something like that. But Jesus said it all the time. One time the Jewish people got so mad at him because he was telling them about things in the past. And they said, hey, you're not even 50 years old. Why are you telling us things about Abraham? And Abraham had lived thousands of years ago. And Jesus looked right at him and said, hey, before Abraham was, I am. The very definition of the Greek word I am, ego am I, is related to the Hebrew word Yahweh, I am that I am. This is because it was Jesus there with Moses at the burning bush when Moses worshiped God, took off his shoes and said, who are you? And he said, I am that I am. Now you understand why the Jewish people even had a right to try to get him killed because blasphemy was the only way they could. So they accused him of the highest crime in their religion, blasphemy. And you see here, Pilate's confused, and he's just saying, just tell me who you are. And you can see that Jesus doesn't want to make it easy on him because he thinks he's in charge. He wants him to have to work for it. And Jesus says then plainly to him at the end, my kingdom's not from here. If it was, you would be destroyed right now on your knees calling me your Lord. But he said, I came for this. I came for this. And he said, whoever knows truth knows me. They listen to me. They listen to what Jesus says. Now, at this point, before I go on, one last objection. People may say, well, how do we know this is what Jesus said? It's written in a book. Well, math is written in a book, and is that true too? Well, it was written by men. Men can write two plus two equals four. Is that true? So hold up your britches right here. We didn't say, have to say an angel had to write it. And then somebody may say, well, it's been changed over time, over time. Well, that's very true. Things can change over time, but we have our manuscripts and museums. This is the message. There's nothing missing from it. Only differences we have of what scribal errors can make, forgetting to put a letter here or a word here, and it's the multiplicity of the testimony of Scripture that shows us where it's at, but not entire narratives, especially the most important ones. They are as crystal clear as can be and always have been. And so what do you do with this now? Do you call Jesus a liar? Was he just deceiving everybody possible around him? Do you call him a lunatic, somebody that himself was out of his mind and somehow convinced others to believe his delusions? Or was he the Lord of glory who he said he was? Now, here's the thing about the resurrection of Jesus. As we said before, he died publicly, he raised publicly. And the very people who had doubted him, like Peter, who went back to fishing, became one of his first disciples to publicly preach in the same city they had crucified him in. What changed him from being a scaredy cat to a Pentecostal preacher? What changed Paul who was persecuting Christians continually after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection and said, I'm going to keep putting them in jail because our religion's being turned upside down by this cult known as Christians. What happened to him? He claimed he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, blinded him for three days, and a Christian laid his hands on him, and he began to see and wrote most of the New Testament and was beheaded by the Roman Emperor Nero. Do you die for what you know is a lie? 
No, you may die for what you hope to be true. A jihadi may hope it to be true when they blow themselves up or crash a plane into a building that they'll be in paradise, but they have no evidence. These men were not dying hoping to see a resurrected Lord. They were dying because they said, I have seen the resurrected Lord. It's a tremendous difference, my friends. It's a tremendous difference. And now I want you to think about this. They crucify him, but he's buried, raised from the dead. He's with the disciples 40 days. He preaches about the kingdom. He ascends to heaven, sends the Holy Spirit down, and then the church is established. And then what the Jewish people said is, we're going to try to kill these Christians. And they did it through people like Paul, but they kept getting converted. Then the Jews themselves got under the persecution of the Romans because the Romans was tired of both Christians and Jews and destroyed their temple in 70 AD. And then they killed our disciples. They would put them naked and with their children in gladiator arenas and say, we will watch you die before our people. We will celebrate your deaths in bloody, gruesome, animal-devouring deaths. We will set you up as Roman candles on our streets, Christians. We will pour oil on you and impale you on posts and burn you alive. We will skin you alive. We will burn your books. We will take your property. We will rape your women. Read Fox's Book of Martyrs. But what happened after the time of Jesus by 313 AD, the Roman Empire bowed its knee to Jesus Christ. Without a sword, without a revolution, the Christian message brought the kingdom of Rome to its knees. That is the testimony of Jesus, and that is why we don't die. We multiply. In China right now, where they try to hurt us the most, we're growing the fastest. We're growing nine out of the ten nations that persecute us the most are Muslim nations, and we're growing there leaps and bounds. We are growing in North Korea. The church of Jesus Christ cannot be stopped because Jesus promised, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. And you are not here today because of your parents, because of your grandparents. Most of you, if not all of you, are here today because you've had a personal, life-changing experience with the risen Lord Jesus, who's the King of kings. Isn't he awesome? And so when we look to these scriptures we see the prophecies about him. Daniel, written 400 years before the time of Christ coming in the flesh. We actually see that Revelation talks more about Daniel than any other book in the Bible. So if you like end time stuff, read the book of Daniel and don't believe Facebook posts about September 23rd. Amen? Because that was found out to be a lie. If you don't know anything about September 23rd, God bless you. You're doing better for it. There was about three or four conversations I was tempted to have about September 23rd, and I just said, nah, it's not even worth talking about. Daniel 7, look what Daniel said. In my vision at night, I looked, there before me was one like the Son of Man. Sometimes people think the Son of Man refers to his humanity, Son of God to his divinity, but they don't get it. Son of Man is a divine term, because look at how he's described. 400 years before Jesus. I saw one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. Who's the Ancient of Days? The Father. Verse 14, he was given authority, glory, sovereign power. All nations and people of every language, what? Worshipped him. Are you allowed to worship anyone but God in the Bible? No, polytheists worship anything other than God in the Bible. Jehovah Witnesses say there's God the Father, but he creates later God the Son, and you can worship two things now. That's idolatry. 
Mormons believe that men can become God, and the God of this planet was once a man, but that became God, had spirit children with his goddess wife, and Jesus and Satan were brothers, fought for the power to rule this world, and because Satan lost, he became the ruler of this world, and dark people are his descendants from the curse of Cain. They were a racist organization. Are you listening to me? Polytheists. So why is the Son of Man also being worshipped with the Ancient of Days? He must be equal to him. Separate in personhood, but equal in nature. I may have authority over my wife, but we're both of equal human nature. I may have authority over my children, but we're equal in human nature. The father's always had authority over the son, but they've been equal in divine nature. The father and the son have always had authority over the Holy Spirit. Read John 14 through 16 and Acts chapter 1. The father and the son send the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit speaks on behalf of Jesus. He willingly does that, but the Holy Spirit is equal to the father and the son. So once again, why is Jesus getting authority he already had when he was in heaven? Why? Because he's the God-man. How did he stump the Jews when they didn't know who he was? He went back to the Psalms of David, and he said, hey, you guys believe the Messiah is going to come through the line of David, right? Yes. Well, why does Psalm 110 say this? David speaking, he said, my Lord said to my other Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool. Jesus said, how does David have a descendant that is his Lord? And a better question for us even today, not a better question than Jesus, but another question is why are there two lords there? There's really only one Lord, but Jesus was separated from the Father, and David saw both of them, and then he knows that he has to kneel down before the Ancient of Days and the Son of Man, right? You following me? But the Son of Man was born through his lineage. Why? Because the Word became flesh through the line of David. So when you test Jesus' DNA, it came from David. But where did the nature of divinity come from? The Word of God, the Son of God. So David worships the God-man, one of his descendants, Jesus, God in the flesh. Psalm 110. That was Jesus' thinking. How many know Jesus is deep? That's what Jesus told them. He was given authority, power, sovereign uh, glory and authority and sovereign power and all nations and peoples worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. His kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. So here you clearly see that there's that time where the God-man gets all of that authority. We know that's at his resurrection. Why? Because in Matthew 28, he says, now all authority has come unto me. The kingdom has now been given to him. He now wants us for the next 2,000 years to enact it before he comes back and judges us. Amen? Jesus' number one title. What do you think Jesus called himself more than anything else in the New Testament? The Son of Man. Look at Matthew 25, 31 through 33. When the Son of Man comes, this is before his crucifixion, comes in his glory with all the angels with him, he will sit on his what? Come on, he will sit on his what? Glorious throne, thank you. And all the nations will be gathered before him. Sounds like Daniel, doesn't it? And he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on the left, and the left goes to hell. Make some noise about the creature you want to be, a sheep or a goat. Make the noise they make. I'm trying to be funny there. Ah, we're just little sheep. Are you a sheep of the Lord or a goat on your way to hell, right? I mean, sad but true. That's only two divisions of humanity. Does it matter about where you've come from, what language you speak, what's your economic status? Are you a sheep or a goat? And what's the difference between a sheep or a goat? The sheep hear his voice and believe him. Do you believe Jesus is who he said he is? 
Look at Paul in another place in the scriptures, Philippians 2, 9 through 11. He says, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Now you have to remember, once again, the word existed for eternity and and created us, but it was Jesus, the combination of God and man, that started 2,000 years ago. Are you with me? And now forever will mark the new humanity. So at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that what? Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Do you know in Isaiah where it says, confess him as Lord? That's Yahweh. You're not just saying, Jesus is my landlord. You're saying, Jesus is my great I am. You are saying, Jesus is the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the bright and morning star, the lily of the valley, the fairest of 10,000. He is Jehovah Rapha, my healer. He is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. He is Jehovah Shalom, my peace. He is Jehovah Shikanu and Jehovah Mikades, my righteousness and sanctifier. He is Jehovah Rohi, my shepherd. That's who you're saying when you say Jesus is Lord. And by the way, you want to know a little play on words, which is biblically correct? The Lord is my shepherd in Psalm 23. is Yahweh, the great God of heaven and earth, the I am, is my shepherd. And Jesus said in the Gospels, I am the good shepherd who lays down my life for the sheep. They got to see him face to face, and you will too one day. In Revelation 17, 4, the end of the book, says we're going to be persecuted. They're going to hate us because of his name, 1714 rather. They will wage war against the lamb, but the lamb will triumphant over them. See, who is he called here? The what? The lamb. Why did he get known as the lamb? Because he died for our sins. We know he's a conquering lion, but he had to become a lamb, but the lamb conquers, amen? He is the Lord of lords and the king of kings, and with him, who are with him? His called, chosen, and faithful followers. If you're called, can I hear an amen? If you're chosen, can I hear an amen? If you are a faithful disciple and follower of Jesus, can I get a big amen? Woo! Amen and amen. And Revelation 24 through 6 wraps it all up. I saw thrones on which were seated those who have been given authority to judge. Do you know that we'll be given thrones, those of us who have been rewarded with leadership in the kingdom? Not everybody's going to have a throne to rule in the kingdom. You may be in the kingdom, but we know the disciples of Jesus, they're given thrones, minus Judas. We know that many, like Paul, are going to be given that, and I'm going to believe God for many of us here to be given that. Amen? And so somebody may see, and I just say this, I just say this out of humility. I love every pastor in this city preaching the gospel. Don't ever use my sassiness to be rude to pastors in the city. Are you listening? But just what if, I just pose this to you, just what if, on judgment day, I'm given the throne over the city of Chicago. Well, just imagine. But the pastors say, why him? He only pastored a few hundred, Jesus. Jesus, he wasn't on TV. Jesus, he wasn't even as good looking and well dressed as a Jesus. His church was a storefront. Jesus, why are you giving him the throne of the city? There's hundreds of other choices here. Now, just imagine if Jesus said, back to them, what don't you get about the parable? To whom little is given and they're faithful, much will be multiplied in the kingdom to come. 
I gave y'all 10,000 and you became rock stars. I gave you a TV show and you had sex with a woman that wasn't your wife. I gave you a million dollar book ministry and you wrote heresy. I gave him 250 and he preached every week about 100,000 and never took his eyes off me because I was the prize. So here was his little for 80 years, now multiplied for 100,000 in the kingdom. I'm just saying, what if it works like that for you and me? I'm just saying, I'll live, I'll live and die by believing that. Even if I don't see it here. I want to see it here. But I'm, I'm just telling you, there's going to be some people rewarded in heaven you didn't think much of. There's going to be some thrones of people ruling and reigning with Christ you didn't think much of. The first shall be last, he said, and the last shall be first. Those who are faithful with little will be given much saw thrones who were seated, those who have been given authority to judge. I saw the souls of those who have been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God. Nine out of the ten worst places to live right now in the world are Muslim nations. And what do you think their favorite way to kill Christians is? Beheading them. They're there right now waiting for us. Come on, saints. Those Egyptian brothers and sisters that were beheaded there on the shores of Egypt, they are waiting there for us. And do you know why Islam does that and why North Korea is the worst one, by the way? Communism does it is because they're so scared. That's why they have to make anti-evangelism uh, uh, laws, anti-conversion laws. They can't convert or they die. They do that because they're afraid to let us speak because they know in the public square when we speak, every knee bows before Jesus. That's why I love going to Wright College, my brothers and sisters, so I can speak to the Muslim freely because this is God-blessed America. You can't kill me here. And you may say, well, my Muslim neighbors are nice. I'm not saying they're not. I'm just saying in their countries where their rule is done, you cannot speak to them about Muhammad. To say he's not a prophet is blasphemy worthy of death. To ask them to convert is to allow their, their parents to kill them in an honor killing. Are you listening to me? So they were there beheaded. Paul was beheaded by Nero, by the way, because of their testimony about Jesus. How many are willing to live and die for Jesus? It's not, willing, it's not worth living for unless it's worth dying for. Because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God. That's why I want to put the word in you guys, right? That's why I talked to you the way I did last week, because I want the word in you. Heaven and earth will pass away, but not the word of God. Amen? The word of God remains forever. All that we do is like the grass of the field. All of our good works, all that we do is just like the flower that's here and gone tomorrow. But those who build their life on the word of God will be rewarded in the age to come. They had not worshipped the beast nor its image, had not received its mark on their foreheads or hands. We know that can happen now. They came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come unto life and reign with them for a thousand years because they were in hell. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. How many want to be a part of that? How many don't want to be left behind and then make your choice when the Antichrist is here? The second death has no power over them. That means judgment, hell, none of that has any power over them. They will be, somebody say I will be, priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him a thousand years. Can you give it up for Jesus today? Come on. I want to say these last words in closing. I want to say these last words because they're so important. The Bible says he's over everything. What does that mean? He's over every rule and authority, Paul said. He's over every power and dominion, and he's over every name. Altar workers and band, would you come, please? World leaders may come and go, but Jesus remains the same. Governments may come and go. Jesus and his kingdom will always be here. Politicians 
will lie and keep on lying, but Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus' power and dominion is over death. Probably the most scariest thing we could ever face is death. And like I told you with Nabil Qureshi, he faced it with the joy of the Lord. Death, where is your sting? It's been swallowed up in the resurrection of Christ. Death, where is your victory? You have none. Jesus is victorious over you. Jesus is victorious over demons, over Satan himself. You feel tempted. You see the evil that comes from the mind of Satan or influenced by his power. Jesus is over him. Jesus is over sin, sickness, and sorrow. Even in our worst moments, we can say, still, Jesus is Lord. All my sins will be washed away and never return when I, when I call on his name and when I see him face to face. All my sickness will be gone. I'll never be sick again. And every sorrow, every tear will be wiped from my eye. Every name. Sometimes people get mad at me. and They say, oh, you put down all these religions. How many right answers are there to a math equation? How many right answers can you have to two plus two? I'm not angry at it being five. I'm just telling you it's four. I'm not angry at it being six. I'm just telling you it's four. What I love about America as a great example is we believe in democracy. In England, they were imperialistic, wanted to put the church in charge of the government, Church of England. You disagreed with them. You couldn't even go to heaven, nor could you have a good job. That's why many of the pilgrims came was for freedom of religion. I love it. Let all the religions have the freedom of speech. Love it. And let Christianity win. We will win in the idea of faith. So have the discussion with your Muslim friend. Have the discussion with the Buddhist. Have the discussion with the Hindu. Because all the founders of the religion have already bowed their knee to Jesus. That's why I say to the Muslim all the time, no offense against them. I just say, listen, if I'm right, your prophets has already been proven wrong. Why go to hell with him? There's no, well, my family was this. No, there's no nobility in going to hell now. Make your own choice. Make your own choice. This is not worth it for any culture, for any reason. Serve Jesus. Jesus raised from the dead. These prophets are dead and buried. Christ is alive in our hearts. Now before we go, I want you to close your eyes and place him above three things in your life today. If you haven't given your heart to him, do it now. Make him the Lord of your life. Imagine there being a throne of your heart today. Only you or Jesus can be on it. You say, well, what about the devil? No, it's still you giving permission to the devil. So it's really only you or Jesus today. You or Jesus. The most satanic thing to do is to do your own thing. Trust me. So if you want Jesus to be the boss of your life, surrender every other plan to his plan and say, Jesus, I believe in you and confess your sins to him right now. Those of you who would say, I'm already a Christian, place under Jesus right now your marriage. Place under Jesus your children. Place under Jesus your finances, your job, your career, your hopes, your dreams. Come on, think of them right now and just say, Jesus, you're above all. As Adam sings, would you just pray where you're at? We'll stand and dismiss in just a moment. But would you pray where you're at and place Jesus above everything in your life today? I can't make you, but I can ask you. I can tell you it's been worth it for me almost 22 years. He's the greatest love of all. He didn't have to love you, but he did. He loved the whole world that he gave his only begotten son. 
And Jesus loved us so much, he willingly gave up his life. And the Holy Spirit loves us so much that he rebirths us and makes us new on the inside. As you begin to feel the Spirit lead you, would you stand and worship now? As you give your amen to the prayer that you prayed, would you close out with us worshiping, then I'll dismiss. If you can just sing it, or in your own words, tell him you love him today. He's the greatest name, but he knows your name today. He's the greatest name, but he knows your name. Yes, Jesus. Jesus, you're the greatest love of all. You're the greatest love of all. A few more times. A few more times. We love you today, Jesus. Be the Lord of our lives, the Lord of our dreams, the Lord of our bad days, the Lord of our good days. One more time. Jesus. Jesus. You're the greatest love. You're the greatest. You're the greatest. You're the greatest love of all. Lord, as we leave out of this place, I pray we don't play make-believe, but I pray we walk out of here as your faithful followers and disciples, knowing that whom we've put our trust in is more than able to finish what he started. We trust you today to give us hope, to give us your inheritance, and to give us your great power, that same power that raised you from the dead. Put it in our lives today. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody said, come on one more time, say amen. Come on, amen. Would you slap your neighbor high five and say, Jesus is the greatest name of all. God bless you. You're dismissed. Have a great week. If you would like to pray, come on up and worship. Otherwise, enjoy the day. Go out and enjoy it. Jesus. Call me out by name. Yes, you call me out by name. I'll never be the same. You bring hope to the hopeless. You bring hope to the hopeless in your cross. Brings wholeness. You bring hope to the hopeless in your cross. Brings wholeness. You bring hope to the hopeless in your cross. Brings me wholeness. You bring hope to the hopeless in your cross. Oh, say His name. Sing Jesus. You're the greatest love of all. You're the greatest love of all. You're the greatest love of all. Call me out by name. Yes, you call me out by name. Oh, I'll never be the same. Oh, I'll never be the same. Jesus, you're the greatest love of all. You're the greatest love of all. Sing it out. You're the greatest those who are praying and worshiping, please continue to do so. But I just want to pray for those three areas right now. Lord, I pray for our government and the governments around this world that they will submit to you, Jesus. 
where the nations suffer persecution, that they'll come to you, oh God, and you'll bring freedom. Lord, I pray that you'll bless our businesses. Take out the corruption and the greed. May social justice be done through the prosperity of your people. God, I pray for North Korea and the place that we may be at war with soon and those we are already at war with. Save our enemies, oh God. We do not wish them to perish. We wish them to come and know and love you. God, we pray for this city, God, and cities like it all over America, that you'll lead our governors, our mayors, our aldermen, our officials, God, in school, um, in the school system, oh God, in our colleges, those who are over business and commerce, God, those downtown in the suburbs, Lord, that you will bring forth wisdom and revelation of your kingdom. May we see colleges like Northwestern live up to the models that Christian men and women once started. May we see more businesses like Chick-fil-A, which I went to yesterday, where they greeted me with Christian kindness. God, may we see this, oh God. Lord, now we pray against Satan's attacks against the church and against your people. We bind him up in the name of Jesus. His lies, his confusion that comes against marriages and children. Satan, we command you to loose God's people and let them go. We come against Satan and his attack upon our streets, upon the people who are violent, the people who are perverse, those in the gay and lesbian community who have believed a lie to think that there is not a purpose for male and, gen male and female. Lord, save and bind up the devil, those who are lost. God, rebuke his lies today. We pray for everyone here that may be tempted with things that they feel are greater than them, that they will find their hope and trust in you because you always make a way out of temptation. And Jesus, we pray today for every religion that differs with who Jesus is, that they would come to you, that you would give them dreams and visions. We pray for our Buddhist and Hindu and Muslim neighbors, for the New Ager, the Mormon, the Jehovah Witness, the Roman Catholic who hasn't accepted you as Lord and Savior but is religious. God, even for the Christian who comes to church but really doesn't live like you, we pray that all people will come to know you. We pray that the world will see you for who you are. In the mighty name of Jesus. Let us pray the Lord's Prayer. Those who are praying and worshiping, keep doing so, but we're going to continue on with a, a worship song on the screen. But before we do, let's pray the Lord's Prayer today. Our Father, which art in heaven, Thy kingdom come, hallowed be thy name. Thank you. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let's give it up for Jesus after party. If you're praying, keep praying and worship.